the mission of the church? What is the purpose of the church? Now, as soon as I ask that, a whole spectrum of answers uh, could be introduced, and all sorts of thoughts come to mind, all sorts of answers uh, could be offered, some of them overlapping. You might hear somebody say, the mission of the church is to exalt Christ, to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That is the mission of the church. You might hear the mission of the church is to reach the lost, those that have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. The reason the church exists is to preach the gospel. Somebody else might say the mission of the church is to encourage the saints. And I'll just tell you, we surely are better uh, together than we are apart. Maybe the mission is that we would assemble and we would encourage the saints. Maybe the mission of the church is to serve the needs of people. And we are to take care of the poor and we're to feed the hungry and we're to stand and call for justice in the land. And there are some that would say that is the mission, the purpose of the church. Others would say that the mission of the church is to uphold the word of God, to to hold and to stand and to defend the doctrine, the truth of the very word of God. And I think about that and I could go on and on and on. The possibilities are endless uh, volumes have been written, volumes have been spoken on the purpose of the church. On my wall, next to my desk in my office, I have a little 11-year-old card that is a simple handwritten card, and on it it says, make disciples who will make disciples. And that's what the card says. That card has been there these years to remind me of the straightforward purpose, the straightforward mission of the church. We exist to make disciples who will then grow and go out and make other disciples. Very simply, as the church, we are disciples and we are in the disciple business. Very simply, we are disciples and we are in the disciple business. Well, today in our study, we're going to see this focus on disciples. In fact, it's been running for a little while. We'll see it next week again. But just in our verses today, we're going to see this focus on disciples. We'll see the process of adding disciples, and we will see the process and the need to build disciples. Our message this morning is entitled, Disciples of Jesus. Disciples of of Jesus. We're in Acts chapter 14, today verses 19 through 22. Acts chapter 14, today verses 19 through 22. Disciples of Jesus. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's Word. Acts 14, the 19th verse, God's Word says this, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium And having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derbe. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and Iconium and to Antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, 
We must enter the kingdom of God. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. We, we just exalt you. We thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Lord, I, I pray that we would uh, have been wise and we would, we would have already set our eyes upon you. But if that hasn't happened, I pray now that we would turn and we would gaze upon you and we would open our ears and our minds and our hearts that, that the worship of our hearts would well up and that we would be ready to hear, to listen to what it is that you say this morning. I pray that this morning truly is a couple of things. I, I pray that it's an act of worship and that you're known, and that you're glorified and our hearts are just held up to you. And I also pray it's a, it's a time that you supernaturally speak, that you supernaturally move. And I pray that we would be impacted today, not just something to check off, not just the first Sunday in February, not just moving on down the road, but I pray for those in this room today, those that will hear in other means, I pray that you speak to us today. Lord, and then we just come and we just confess right now, we do love you. We do thank you. As we sing, oh, look what our God has done. Oh, we are blown away. We thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, as we begin today, I, I think I first need to define for us what a disciple is. That word is thrown around a lot today. Folks talk about being a disciple or becoming a disciple or existing as a disciple. And so maybe it's a point of review for you. Maybe it is some new information. But I want to start off by defining what a disciple is. Now, the word a disciple is a follower is a student of a certain teacher. Now, that's the basic definition. Now, there's several forms of that definition, but a disciple is a follower, a student of a certain teacher. Now, in the Jewish system, they followed a rabbi. They put themselves, the person would put themselves under the teaching of a particular Rabbi, and so they submitted to the teaching of the rabbi. They studied the teaching of the rabbi. They actually took on the teaching of that particular rabbi. Well, for us as believers, as Christians, it means that we have believed who Jesus is and all that that means, that we have trusted him for salvation, and we have placed ourselves under his teaching. That's what a disciple is. You've believed who Jesus is, and you've put yourself, you've submitted yourself to his directing, to his leadership. Now, I want you to hear these words. You're under the leadership of Jesus. You're under the teaching of Jesus, the discipleship of Jesus. We are disciples of Jesus, not of a denomination, not of a particular church. Oh, that church is discipling. No, we are under the teaching. We are disciples of Jesus. This morning, I want you to think about yourself. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Sometimes we hear sermons and think, well, I'm glad they were here. Uh, they sure needed to hear that. Well, I'm talking to you, and I don't care uh, how, how long your church membership has been, what age you are, what, what status of life you find yourself. I want you to think today, are you a disciple of Jesus? Not only believing in Jesus, listening to the gospel and having believed in Jesus, 
but also listening to Jesus, imitating Jesus, learning, taking direction from Jesus, actually following Jesus. Are you a disciple? Now, here's, here's the deal. In this day, a disciple would actually take on the mindset, the traits of the teacher, so much so that the world could distinguish who that person had been following. They would take on the traits and the teaching of that teacher so much so that they would understand, they would be able to point out the person that they trained under. That is a disciple of Gamal, or that is a disciple of some other rabbi. They would actually take on the traits so much so that the world could distinguish who it was they were following. Here's another question. Can the world tell you are a disciple of Jesus? Now, I want you to listen very carefully. If you didn't tell them, if they didn't see you come in here today, if you didn't tell them, would your language reflect that you're a disciple of Jesus? Would your attitude, the attitudes when you respond to different things in the course of a week, would it reflect that you're a disciple of Jesus? Your ethics, your priority set, would it, re would it reflect, hey, they're following Jesus. I can see it in the things that they choose to do and the things that they leave behind. Would your life testify to your being a disciple of Jesus? Very simple. If we assemble folks and said, here are the pattern, the things of their life, would your life testify this is a disciple of our Lord Jesus. Well, thinking about discipleship, we move into our verses, our study today. We're gonna to see a few things in just these four verses today. Now, the first thing we're gonna see, and it's, it's really hard to miss, and, and, and I wanna look at it for just a second. We see a radical disciple, a radical disciple. Look at verse 19. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Paul and Barnabas have gone to Lystra. They have preached the gospel that there is salvation in the person of Jesus, that he is the, the Christ, the Messiah. They have healed a man that was lame from birth, as a confirmation of the gospel. Now, that was the point to the healing. It was confirming that the gospel, the message that they preached was true. And remember the event. The crowd is so blown away. Uh, they're, they're so moved by this event that they try and worship Paul and Barnabas. That was the message from last week. Uh, they, they said, they must be God. This isn't of a man. They couldn't have done this as, as men. And they began to actually worship Paul and Barnabas. Well, the, the Bible now says that some Jews come from Pisidian Antioch, Antioch, and Iconius. I remember Paul and Barnabas had preached there before as well. And they come to this crowd and they swing the crowd. Somehow they turn the crowd against Paul and Barnabas. They are worshiping them, they are enthralled with them, and somehow they swing them around to the point that they stone Paul and drag him out of the city believing he is dead. First thing, there's several things to take out. First thing is this. Be sure, 
And man, in 2021, be very sure you cannot trust the crowd. You cannot trust the crowd. Just because the majority rules doesn't mean the majority is right. You better understand that just because they have the majority, just because the majority rules does not mean the majority is right. Here, one minute they're worshiping Paul, the next minute they pick up stones to crush him and kill him. Be very sure, especially today, listen very carefully, our hope is not in the crowd. We need to be sure that our hope is not in the crowd. Our trust is not in the crowd. Sometimes we think, well, that's what everybody's doing. That's what the preponderance of, of evidence, the people, everybody seems to have gone that way. Our hope is not in the crowd. Our trust is not in the crowd. We are not to be swayed by the crowd. Ever since I was a little kid, TV commercials, and on the box, it says this. Three out of four dentists recommend Crest. Do you know that? Three out of four dentists recommend Crest toothpaste. Three out of four. You ever wonder what's up with that one guy? He is a dentist, and he cannot recommend Crest. I always wonder, what is that, what is that guy? Did you know if we multiply that out? Do you know two out of eight dentists, three out of 12 dentists would not recommend Crest toothpaste? Listen, today, as the church of Jesus Christ holding to the truth of salvation alone by faith in Jesus Christ, we dare not be swayed by the crowd. Now, I want you to also see this in that verse. Paul, who oversaw the stoning of Stephen in Acts 6, now himself is stoned in Acts chapter 14. You think his testimony hasn't changed you think his life hasn't changed? He oversaw, he held the coats, they laid him at his feet at the stoning of Stephen, he gave great approval, and now in Acts 14, he himself is stoned. Now I want you to notice something here. Notice in the account with Stephen, they take him out of town. We don't want such brutality in the town. We don't want that bloodshed in the town. They take him out of the town and they stone him there. Notice here, this crowd is so whipped up, this crowd is so rabid, they're in such a hurry that they stone Paul in the town and then haul him out afterwards. They smashed him with stones. They believed he was dead. Now the point of a stoning is always death, a form of execution. They believed he was dead. They're sure he's dead. And so they drag him out of town. Verse 20. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up. I got to read that into the last verse, make sure I'm reading that right. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. But while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. The next day, he went away with Barnabas to Derby. Verse 20 has a crazy turn of events. They crush him with stones. The crowd becomes so whipped up, so violent, they actually smash him with stones, with rocks. They believe he's dead. They do it until they think he's dead, and they drag him out of town, and they throw him out like yesterday's garbage. And here's the great turn. But while the disciples were gathered looking on, 
Can you imagine that? He, he comes and he preaches the good news of Christ. And, and, and they see this miracle, and this guy gets healed, and you know what, the gospel must be true, and all of a sudden he's been smashed with rocks, and he's beaten all to pieces, and he's bleeding, and the disciples have gathered there, and I imagine there's a, a hard silence in the crowd as they look at him. They're looking at him, they're watching him. And while the disciples were gathered looking on, here's what the Bible says. He got up, and what did he do? He went back in the city. We love John Wayne, but I need to just tell you, do you know he's the creation of Hollywood? We love J.J. Watt and Ray Lewis. I do. But do you know they just play a game? You want to know what a hero looks like? You want to know what a tough person looks like? Paul gets up, and what does he do? He goes back into the town where they had just stoned him. That's exactly what he does. He doesn't go somewhere else. Listen, if he, if he were able to pull it together, he doesn't run and hide. I'm not going back there. He doesn't find some bush to crawl up under. He doesn't say, I'll sit here for a little while. He gets up and the Bible says he goes back into the town where they had just stoned him. Now, I won't stay here very long. We're going to move on, but I want to say this. I've said it before and I believe it. Listen very carefully. Friend, we serve a radical Savior. Do you understand that? We serve a radical Savior. He, he comes and he sees our helpless estate. He sees that we're lost in sin. He sees we're hopeless on our own. And he comes and what does he do? He sheds his own blood. He comes and he goes to the cross of Calvary and he takes my shame and my guilt and my sin and there he dies. They nail him to the cross of Calvary. He is a radical Savior do you understand that? He is a radical savior. You know what? He ought to have radical disciples. Man, he ought to have radical disciples. Let me tell you something. The church is weak. The gospel is hindered. The cause of Jesus Christ is harmed. The church becomes lazy and apathetic when it is filled with weak disciples. A radical savior such as Jesus should have radical followers. Radical disciples. Paul gets up and he goes back into the city where they stoned him. Bible says the next day, that verse says he goes to Derby, a town over 40 miles away. Now, if you've been following this journey, he goes here and he travels down this 90-mile island. He goes on a boat ride of 200 miles, and he goes uphill 100 miles. He has a sickness along the process. Now we see that he's beaten. He's stoned. He doesn't shrink back. He goes back into the city, and the next day he goes 40 more miles. This guy won't quit. This guy won't quit. The first thing we see is a radical disciple, a radical disciple. The next thing we're going to see is the making of disciples, the making of disciples. Verse 21, they go to this new city, Derby, in verse 21, after they had preached the gospel to that city, that's the thing that keeps getting them in trouble, but they go there and that's what they do. After they preached the gospel to that city, and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. After they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. It says there in verse 21, they made 
many disciples. I want you to be very sure. We need to remember this. We need to remind each other of this. Our call as the church, our call, your call as a follower of Jesus Christ, a little while ago, you may have answered, yes, I'm a disciple. Well, listen, our call, in fact, the command of Jesus is to go therefore and make disciples, Matthew chapter 28. That is the call, that is the command of a follower of Jesus Christ. We are to lead people to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. A true disciple, that is our call. In fact, that is our command. Now here's a crazy question. How do you make disciples? And sometimes I wonder about that. I don't don't know how. How would you make disciples? How would you make disciples? Can can you actually make disciples? A disciple? Is that even a a, a potentiality? Is that a a possibility? Well, the verse answers the question. It says, after they had preached the gospel and made many disciples. Get this this morning. We make disciples by preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We make disciples by preaching the gospel of Jesus of Jesus Christ. Disciples are made when people hear the truth of Jesus, hear the hope that we have in Jesus, hear the facts about the good news of a risen Savior, Jesus. When they hear the gospel and they respond in faith, a disciple is made. Someone once said, it's been, it's been several years back and I was younger and maybe not as wise, I don't know. And I was, I was preaching at a preacher's conference, which is a weird thing, very weird. And I, I preached a message at this conference, and this guy came up, and, and I thought, well, I, that, that was okay. That worked out. And I was in Amarillo, and this guy, this guy comes, and he's mad. And, he, and I don't know why he's mad. He's waiting, and I can see, you ever notice when somebody's mad, and they're just looking at you? And so I'm trying to talk to this guy that wasn't mad. He was saying, well, something. And my father-in-law, hey, we'll go eat lunch somewhere. But I can see this guy's mad. And I, I try to stay away from him, but I finally have to look at him. And he, and he says in a very loud voice, young preacher, young brother, you're too worried about converts. You're, listen, all you talked about was making converts. You're too worried about making converts. And he said, in my face, he read Matthew 28, cited it to me. We're not supposed to make converts, brother. We're supposed to make disciples. Now, the problem was the guy wasn't making any converts, and that's why he was mad. But here's what I said, and I don't know how I thought of it. It's it's pretty good. I, I thought that quickly. But here's what I said. Did you know you can have a convert that doesn't grow as a disciple? Man, there's a lot of them. You can have a convert that doesn't grow as a disciple, but did you know you can never have a convert that doesn't start, a disciple that doesn't start as a convert? You'll never have a disciple that does not start as a convert. And it sounds like a lofty thing to say, oh, we're not into that. We're not trying to persuade people. We'll let them do what they want to do. We're not going to tell them such a hateful message. I want to tell you this. You will not have a disciple unless you have first have a convert. And the way you have a convert is you preach the hope and the love of a risen Savior, Jesus Christ. That's how you make disciples. All right, now stay with me. It's, 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 
uh, pretty weird how it makes a quick transition here. So we see making disciples, you make disciples by preaching the gospel. They hadn't been in Derby very long. They didn't set up some foundation, a seminary, an institute. They preached the gospel. And it says, and many disciples were made. But then watch this. After they preached and had made many converts, the verse follows, it says this, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, Pisidian Antioch. Now, here's where this gets to be interesting. We're going to see, before we finish the 14th chapter next week, that they're going back to Antioch. Now, there's two places, Pisidian Antioch, and then there's the home base of the church now in Antioch. They're going to their home church. They're heading home. They're going back to Antioch. That's what we're going to see. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on a long trip, but the closer you get to home, I don't care where you've been, usually you're ready to get home. And you get about three or four hours from home, and you want to stop and get something to eat? No, we have old food at home. We're going home. Well, listen, it was way easier to go directly back to Antioch. In fact, it would have been 150 foot miles they were walking shorter to go straight back to the home church than to take this route. But instead, they go back to Lystra where he was stoned. They go back to Iconium where the mob got riled up and threatened a stoning and planned to kill him. That's what they planned to do him harm to kill him. They heard of it and they left the town. They go back to Pisidian Antioch where they were beaten across their back with rods and chased out of town. They go back to the places where the threat of death was real. They go back to the places where they were mistreated. Here's the big question. Why would they do that? Listen very carefully. Because they had made disciples now there was a need to grow those disciples. And I'll just tell you, read, read it in context a couple times. That's the only reason they would go back there. They're under the threat of death in those places. They had made disciples by preaching the gospel, but now the need was to build those disciples, to grow those disciples. And so they go back. Now let me show you how. Verse 22. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them in the, to continue in the faith, and saying, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, there's, there's three things they do in verse 22 in the building of disciples. We do well to take note of that. There are three things they do in the building of disciples. The first thing they do is this. It says, they strengthened the soul of the disciples. They strengthened the soul of the disciples. The Greek word, the original language for strengthen means to make stronger, of course, to make solid or to make firm. And so they take these believers and they build on the foundation of the gospel, the, the, the good news of Christ. They take that foundation and they build on that and they make them stronger. 
They set them on firm ground. They set them on solid ground. Friends, let me tell you, that hope happens in only one way, and that is the teaching of the Word of God. It happens only in one way, and that is the teaching of the Word of God. The careful, thoughtful, faithful, deliberate teaching of the Word of God is the only way you will grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Remember the question, are you a disciple? Well, listen, the only way you will grow as a disciple is in the consistent, faithful study of the Word of God. How do you learn from Christ? How do you ever imitate Christ? How would you even know Christ? It is only in the consistent teaching and study of the Word of God. That's the hard part. That's the part that takes effort. And I walk around, and you, and you, have, and you, you do the same today. People today are discouraged so easily. Christians are, oh, we're not going to make it. We're distracted so easily. We start chasing all these other things. We start going all these other directions. We're distracted easily. We're misled easily. Someone comes along and says, well, the Bible says that, and it doesn't say it. Someone comes along and says, well, Jesus meant that, and he didn't mean it. We're misled easily. Today, people look like the world that we live in. We, we take cues from the world, and people are not growing as disciples. Listen, because We've lost the burning priority of teaching and studying the word of God. They went back in great danger to grow them in the word. Nobody's going to stone us. Where will we be tonight? Nobody's going to stone us. Where are we going to be Wednesday night? Nobody's going to stone us. We've got all sorts of time. How much time will we spend pouring over the very word of God? First thing they do is they go back and they strengthen them by preaching, teaching, studying the word of God. Second part is this. Second part of growing a disciple. Now, I like this one. The second part, it says they were encouraging them to continue in the faith. It doesn't mean that they could leave the faith, but it means to continue to walk under the perception, under the understanding of what we believe as saved followers of Jesus Christ. They encouraged them to continue in the faith. Now, the Greek word, the original language for encourage, now listen, it doesn't, it doesn't mean what it sounds like. It literally means to come alongside. That's what that word means in the original language. As they walk out their new faith, they've trusted Christ, it says that they go back to those towns. Why? To come beside them. They went back. Wow, we didn't leave them out there. They came back to walk beside them. Here's the truth. It's not enough to teach the truth to them if you won't walk the truth with them. So you know what? There, there's danger in those cities. You know what? They ran us out of those cities. They go back to walk beside them. Now what that means is, as a disciple of Christ, we model and encourage Bible study together. 
well, I'm busy and I'm this and I'm that. I don't need that. Well, listen, maybe it's not about what you need. Maybe it's about what somebody else needs. We model and encourage Bible study because we do it together. And you know what? If we're going to study the Bible, you're going to find me in the midst of it, and I'm going to have a pen, and I'm going to be thinking, and I'm going to be looking at words, and I'm going to be blown away by what I'm learning. We model and encourage the study of the Bible by doing it together. We model and encourage obedience by doing it together. I want to tell you, we still have a pack mentality, and it's a lot easier to be with folks that say, you know what, I'm going to obey Christ. I'm going to obey the Word of God. I'm going to live a life that looks distinctive from the culture, and we'll do it together. We are better doers of the Word together than we are apart. We model and encourage obedience by doing it together. We model and encourage commitment and perseverance, that's what it says here, by doing it together. I want to tell you, it's hard to go alone. It's hard to say, I don't, I don't know how this pays off. I don't see how this works out. It is their walk, and it is our walk, and there is great strength, encouragement, in doing it together. Here's what I figured out. <laughs> and it's a hard way to learn it, but I figured it out. I'm not tough enough to do this alone. Maybe, maybe you are. I doubt it, but maybe you are. But you know what? I need people to say, well, let's go to God's Word. Because I'll start to say, well, what's the news saying? Well, what, what are they saying? What are the experts saying? What, what's, what's, what's my crowd saying? I need some people to say, you know what? let's go to the Word of God. I, I, I need some people to say, you know what, let's walk in obedience. It's the best way to live. I got out of it several times, and it didn't end well for me. Let's walk in obedience. I need some folks to say, you know what, it matters how we live. It matters how we live. The rest of that's not going to be eternal. I need some folks to say, we can, you can do this. We can do it, and it matters. I need people. Maybe you're tougher than me, and you don't. I don't again, I don't believe it. We need people. They go back to encourage and come alongside and walk with them in their faith. The third thing they do, first they strengthen, second they encourage. These are the processes of discipleship. Third thing seems very strange unless you look at what's happening. Well, you better look at what's happening for our world as well. The third thing is this, they warn them. Hold on a minute. That doesn't sound like a good way to build a disciple. They warn them. Here's what the verse says. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Through many tribulations, trials, troubles, we must enter the kingdom of God. Now, I want to tell you this. That is a fact, not a formula. That is a fact, not a formula. What I'm, what I'm trying to say here, it doesn't mean we're saved by suffering for Christ. There's some folks that say, well, I've got to suffer some more from Christ. I haven't suffered enough for Christ. I, if, I, if I were a better Christian, I'd suffer more for Christ. We're not saved by suffering for Christ. We do not earn salvation by walking through trouble. Well, you made it through the trouble. You're saved. We do not earn salvation by walking through trouble Rather, here's what the verse says, we are saved, we've taken a stand for Christ, so we will walk through trouble. James says that, Peter says that, Jesus says that. If you are saved, you're going to walk through trouble. 
you are saved, you're going to suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, how interesting that Paul is honest with them. Now, he's been smashed with stones. He's been whipped with a rod. He comes staggering back into town and says, you know, it's through many trials that we'll enter enter the kingdom of heaven. He has integrity and he warns them. Here's another good point. And boy, we ought, to, we ought to write this down. You know how you tell a false prophet? And they're everywhere. They're everywhere today. How do you tell a false prophet? You tell by what they promise people. Listen, listen to what they promise people. What if Paul had said, what if he rolls back into Lystra where they had just smashed him with stones and the guy's nutty enough to go back? What if he he rolls back into that town and says, every day is Friday? What if he said that? And then they came at him with stones. Hold on, every day's Friday. Every day's Friday. What if he came and said, God has promised us financial blessings. I ride in a $50 million jet. He's promised us never another poor day. And what if he came and said that and he chased him out of town and he couldn't even grab his wallet? What if they came and said, you'll never be sick. You'll never be sick. By his stripes, you are healed. You'll never be sick. What if you were sick like Paul when you went to their town? What if you're sick like Timothy later? What if he came along and said, your words have power. Your words have power. You speak into existence the future that you want. What if he told them your words have power and they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ and they stoned them with stones? He warns them of this. It will be through many trials and troubles and tribulations that you'll make it to heaven. You build disciples by telling them it's gonna be hard. You build disciples by telling them it will be costly. Listen very carefully. But our Savior is worth it. And so we will stand all glory be to Christ. That's what he does. He doesn't come back and lie to them. He doesn't come back and say, well, if they whipped you up one way, I'll whip you up another way. He goes back and he says, our Savior, I know him. Our Savior, he has saved me. Our Savior, he is worthy. And so we will stand. All glory be to Christ. Let me tell you something honest. Folks, it's about to get rough. It's about to get serious. It's about to get hard. Do you see the world we're living in? Do you see the things that are changing just like this? It's about to get hard for somebody that will say, this is the word of God and there's only one way to be saved and it's by faith in Jesus Christ and anything else is a lie that'll end in hell. It's about to get tough and through many tribulations, we will enter the kingdom. But you listen just as well. Our savior is worthy. Our Savior is worthy. And so we will stand and say, all glory be to Christ. Are you a disciple of Jesus? Are you growing as a disciple of Jesus? Are you taking on the mind and the walk, most importantly, the heart of our master, Jesus? 
Do you look like our master? Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. And I'm thankful for your words of truth. I'm thankful for your words of encouragement. I'm thankful for your word that does build us up and strengthens us and sets us on a solid platform. Lord, I'm thankful for believers that come alongside and say it does matter and study with us and walk with us and witness with us, endure with us. Lord, I'm thankful that we're not caught off guard and you tell us, in fact, these days and the days just ahead are gonna be harder than the previous days. And men will be lovers of self and lovers of money and revilers and disobedient. They'll turn against you and they'll be lawless and their hearts will wax cold, they'll grow cold. You tell us it's gonna get hard. But you also tell us you'll never leave us, never forsake us. You tell us it ends in victory and glory, already secured in the cross of Calvary. Lord, help us make disciples. Help us to be a disciple. Help us to grow as disciples. Lord, I'm thankful for your truth again. I pray now as we conclude this service that you would speak, you would move, that you would lead. I pray as we leave here that our minds will continue to think about it. We will be shaped from what we've heard from you and your word today. And I pray all the fruit of it, all the glory of it would go to my Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. And it's his name I pray, amen.